The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Today, expert knowledge is so highly valued that we learn to lead first as the expert whose mastery of the details helps teams solve problems. Eventually, as your leadership role expands, expert leaders find themselves in a role where others know more. Details are no longer so accessible, and decisions are made without a full understanding. Welcome to Out of the Comfort Zone with Dr. Wanda Wallace. It's time to find out how to make the transformation smooth and flawless. Now, here is Dr. Wanda Wallace. Welcome to the show. I'm Wanda Wallace, and our focus today is on talking about virtual working. So more and more often when I talk with managers, they have different team members that they lead in very different locations with limited travel budget. So there's not an awful lot of time to actually have face-to-face meetings with the team or with the individuals. Sometimes a manager will have a few people in the same location, but sometimes one, two, three, even the entire team can be living and working in a different location. With the rise in global projects, with the increase in flexible working arrangements, learning to manage, lead, and build teams that are not in the same location is becoming an absolutely important skill. In fact, I am seeing more and more executive teams that do not even live in the same city, yet they're doing a lot of the decisions and the communication about the company with a virtual environment. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. So let me get some language straight before we get started. The first thing is we talk about virtual teams and virtual workers, meaning people that are not in the same location. And frequently we use the words co-located for people who are all in the same location or distributed for people who are in different locations. There's a variety of groupware like SharePoint that creates collaborative virtual workspaces. So just so we have the language straight. With me today is Frederick Fogelberg. Frederick is an organizational psychologist and the owner of Nobatic International Business Psychology. It's a European firm of executive coaches and facilitators that really supports executives with intercultural teams. Frederick is a specialist in virtual facilitation and the author of a book, Live Communication. He comes with a background from KLM and Nike Europe before he became a a full-time coach. So, Frederick, welcome to the show. Thank you, Wanda. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm delighted to have you because I think this is a really important topic and I have been impressed with a a set of skills that you've accumulated in your book. So let's start with this whole notion about virtual meetings. We do them all the time. What does it take to make those successful? Yes. And as you said, we do them all the time. And what I'm hearing is that many people do not enjoy them very much and actually complain about it. So uh, that's a great question to start with and, and take a look at what, what actually makes them not just productive but also enjoyable. I, I would say the first question for a group of people that, that uh, plan a virtual meeting is to ask themselves the question, do we really need a meeting or is it just a ritual? I guess it's the same question that you ask 
you know, when you're in the same space, same place. On the other hand, you know, uh, working over different time zones, the question becomes even more important because setting up a virtual meeting might involve, you know, some of the team members working at a very inconvenient uh, hour. So then if you're sure that the meeting is the best way to work together, uh, there's, of course, the question of technology. And I would say the rule of thumb is to keep the technology as simple as possible. There's a lot of very sophisticated tools out there, but if some team members do not have access to them or don't know how to use them, then it really doesn't uh, meet the objective. So uh, find the, the lowest common denominator when it comes to technology, something that everybody is familiar with. And then speaking of technology, there's always the issue of audio. You know, a meeting is as good as the quality of the, the, the lowest, I would say, the lowest end uh, participant. Um, so what I notice often that people just go on, even if the, the audio is bad for somebody, and I would say it's really important to stop, you know, if somebody doesn't have good audio and, uh, and fix the problem before moving on. And if the meeting is really, really important, for instance, if it involves um, a, a client, for instance, then I would suggest using <clears throat> what we call a producer, somebody uh, who knows the technology and, can, uh, and who can make sure that from a technical standpoint the meeting is being uh, run smoothly. <clears throat> then um, another thing we see in virtual meetings is that people tend to skip the social aspect. You know, when we meet in one place together, um, some of us arrive a few minutes early, you know, with a cup of coffee or a cup of tea, and we catch up socially, we have, we have a bit of a chat, and for some reason that rarely happens in virtual meetings like phone conference, conferences. Very often we hear people saying, you know, we have a long agenda, a lot to cover, only one hour, or an hour and a half, let's not waste any time and move on with the agenda. So the social aspect of, of teamwork and connecting is, is ignored. And I would say every meeting without um, balancing in the social aspect is one way, on, one step on the way to disintegration or misunderstandings or uh, even conflict. Yeah. Let's focus on that one for a minute, because what I find happens is that the people that are all in the same room together, that are co-located together, will put the person on the phone on mute. They'll have their social time while the person is sitting there waiting, kind of wondering what's going on. And then when they're ready to start the meeting, they'll click the person back into the video conference. So what do you recommend people do to keep the social aspect going? Definitely, um, in, in the case that you paint where somebody is uh, one or a few individuals are connecting from outside, I would in certainly include them in the social piece also and not, not put them on, on mute. If you, if you exclude certain people uh, you know, from part of the meeting, it's, uh, I would say it's detrimental to the group dynamics or the, t the development of the, of the team. We all know from about teams... Uh, all the research that has been done, how important it is to be inclusive, and somehow we don't practice that when it's uh, about virtual teams. Okay, so what do we do? We're sitting around talking about 
the sports game in many places that we saw in our country that you didn't see in your country. So how do you advise people to handle the social? What do we do specifically? Well, there's a couple things you can do. One is what we call the virtual cafe. So, for instance, in a, in a phone conference or in a web-based meeting, you know, using web tools like WebEx, GoToMeeting, uh, or Microsoft Link uh, that many large organizations use, um, the virtual cafe is, um, means that, we, that you open the, the meeting 10 or 15 minutes before and invite people actually to drop in early, just like a face-to-face meeting room. And as they drop in maybe five or ten minutes before the meeting starts, it's a good moment to check the audio quality, like is everything clear from both ends, and at the same time to, to have that, you know, that talk about the sports match or the vacation or the weekend or the family or whatever. So it's, it's unstructured, unfacilitated, informal time uh, before the meeting with the advantage that you can actually start on time and you can avoid, you know, that and those annoying minutes when people join the meeting one or two minutes late and they're having connection and technical issues. And that, that's, that's really a bad start, um, creating, you know, irritations from the beginning. Okay. All right, now I want to go backwards for a moment. You said, the first question you said is make sure you need a meeting or is this just your ritual? Quite honestly, I think we do a lot of ritual, and I think we do a lot of meetings that are inefficient meetings. Mm-hmm. Any advice for how to tell whether a meeting is really needed or not? Yeah, well, um, particularly when you work remotely with each other, um, there's there's the question of you know choosing the technology. Um, if we decide to have a meeting, what is the best medium, and what uh, do are we going to use video conference? Do we want to see each other? Is it just the phone? Are we going to use a web meeting tool where we can share documents and, and do annotations together? So that that's um, that, and that that depends on the on the task. Um, the rule is um, if it's a more simple task, such as you know a weekly sharing of of data or figures or you know sales results or whatever um do you really have to meet what we call synchronously and by synchronously i meet i mean like you and me and 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 our live listeners you know we're all here at the same moment so that's synchronous communication if it's if it's just a simple exchange of information maybe it can be done asynchronously which means that I send you the information and you read it where I post it you know, on, the, on the group page or on a, on, a, on a Dropbox or wherever, and you read it when it's convenient for you. So that's, that's the first question to ask yourself. Is it, is it, uh, do we need to communicate synchronously or asynchronously? Okay, fair enough. Um, so we're going to take a break in just a couple of minutes, but are there particular things that a manager needs to do to run a virtual meeting? Yeah, there's, there's a few things that a manager needs to do. First, she or he needs to make that choice of technology. And um, we do tend to overuse email, and we tend to overuse, I would say, maybe phone conferences. Um, so this, um, I would say smart use of technology is one of the competencies for the remote leader, okay. you know, knowing what to use when. 
And another one is building the relationships and building trust, which is not ob- not as obvious as when we work face to face. So uh, a remote leader needs to be particularly good at at that. And um, we use it, I like to use a word called virtual closeness. Um, and virtual closeness is about making a team that may be thousands of kilometers apart across many time zones, making them feel as if they're actually close together and forget about the geographical distance. Uh, like you and I and our, listen, our live listeners might be sitting you know, in, in different places all around the world. Um, so the, the challenge for the remote leader is to, to make people feel as if they're actually close together and as if they're sitting in the same space. And that's definitely a skill that can be developed. Okay. Now, we're going to have to come back to this one. I have to hear from you. How is it that virtually, when I'm not going to see you face-to-face, I'm going to make the team feel that they're close? Do you have an example of how you could do that? Okay. Um, Well, one of the things, there's some practical things that um, a manager can do. For instance, to start the meeting with what we we call a check-in. And a check-in means... Um, making sure that everybody speaks, everybody's voice is heard within the first 10 minutes of a meeting. If people are not heard, they tend to disengage and go to their email and not really feel part of the meeting. So a check-in, for instance, could be asking each member in the meeting to say um, what's on the top of his or her mind, which helps them to focus in the meeting and to get be more present. And the second question is about expectations. What are you hoping to get out of this meeting? And um, doing that, having such a check-in with each team member, um, really enhances that virtual closeness. It makes, makes people feel closer together. So that, that's one thing that um, the chair of the meeting can do, for instance. That makes a ton of sense. I was presenting today uh, at a client, and two people were remote. It was a sort of a big project that we were reporting back on, and the two people that were remote, as typical as the case, there's not really good audio quality. You know, you're hearing the wind whistling through. We did not start with including them, so you know, our first comment to them is, "Please, can you go on mute?" As in, would you just disappear off into the corner and don't interrupt us while we're sitting in this room and talking? I take your point. The need to start Start with getting people, particularly not in the room, to say something so they were conscious of their presence. Okay, Frederick, we're going to take a break at this point. With me sure. today is Frederick Fogelberg, a specialist in virtual teams and in intercultural teams. Frederick's book is Live Connections. When we come back, I want to pick up this notion about what managers can do and follow that through. But I also want to come back to how do you know what the best media is when? We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. How is your work-life balance? In most businesses, no matter where you are positioned, there is always room for improvement. If you're an executive, learn insight about your business. Are you an employee? Learn how to better work with your team. 
Even if you're not in business, you can learn where your strengths and weaknesses can be played to their best potential. The Work-Life Balance with host Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you want more information on the coaching and seminars we offer, go to our website at www.leadershipforuminc.com. If you are interested in finding out more, you can also purchase a copy of the forthcoming book or any of Dr. Wallace's current books by clicking on the links under the resources tab on our website at www.leadershipforuminc.com. You're also sure to find some handy links, videos, and more to help you create a winning strategy for your organization. Leadership Forum, Inc., helping organizations get it and keep it. Comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Out of the Comfort Zone. To reach Dr. Wanda Wallace or her guest, call into the program at 1 866 472 5790. Again, that's 1 866 472 5790. You may also send an email to wanda.wallace at leadershipforuminc.com. Now, back to Out of the Comfort Zone. Welcome back. With me today is Frederick Vogelberg. Frederick is an organizational psychologist, an executive coach, and a facilitator specializing in virtual work and intercultural teams. He's an industry leader in virtual facilitation and the author of a book called Live Connections. We've just been talking about what it takes to make a virtual meeting successful. And I like Frederick's starting point that it should be productive and enjoyable. A couple of hits from that first is, do we really need the meeting or are we just doing this because that's what we typically do? And then if we need the meeting to make some smart decisions about the kind of technology that we want to use, keep it as simple as possible and making sure it's functioning. Second point I really want to emphasize is this notion when we meet face-to-face, we tend to have a little social chat time at the beginning. You need to do the same for a virtual meeting and make sure your virtual connected people are participating in that chat. We've been talking also about how you create a sense of virtual closeness, and one of those is making sure that everybody's voice has been heard about something in the first 10 minutes. So now let's pick up with, so Frederick, you said that managers need to be brilliant at knowing what technology wins. They have to be smart about the technology and smart about the choices. They need to be really good at building trust and relationships. They need to be able to bring in that virtual closeness so that the team feels that they're together, even though they're not all co-located. Is there anything else the manager needs to do? Yes, I'm uh, reminded of what you said earlier before the break about uh, the meeting you had where you had several people in the meeting room and one or two people called in, and that is not the ideal situation. Um, if you want to build a team and uh, and build that sense of, of identity and closeness, um, you the ideal in an ideal world when you have a virtual meeting, you want everybody to join separately from a separate space behind their own computer on their own phone in a, in a separate room. That's the only way to avoid uh, subgroups and to make um, to include everybody in a similar way. Because we all know that if you sit with, let's say, two or three people in one conference room and you have eye contact and the rest 
are calling in on, let's say, a, a desk-bound speaker, um, that while you have eye contact, um, you read each other's, you know, body language. Uh, maybe the phone is on mute in the beginning, and you can, or you whisper, and other people can cannot hear everything you say. The the impact is that you get subgroups within a team. It's an us and them dynamic, and, and in larger companies, you know, it's often head office and the outposts. So it's, it's it's an us and them, and that is not a good way to build trust and and virtual closeness. So if I have a team, even though I've got 10 people in the same building, if two cannot join us, we should all be virtual. And that means that we are all on an equal playing field. Interesting strategy. And I've heard that from other specialists as well in managing virtual teams. Okay. So again, I'm back to how I force the team as a manager to use the technology in an equal way. Anything else the manager should do? Yes. When it comes to managing performance, um, what we often hear is that managers say, oh, but I can't you know, control how many hours my team members, my remote team members are working, whether they've been on time, you know, whether they go uh, down to the washing machine uh, while they're working. So it, uh, when it comes to performance management, a whole different mindset than from the traditional uh, type of management is, is required. It's a mindset that is based on uh, on trust primarily, and so you have to trust you know your employees that they're actually making effort and, and doing the best they can, and also to shift your your metrics, your performance metrics from input to to output. Does it really matter you know what time somebody starts working uh, because you're probably asleep anyway when your remote team member at the other side of the world is you know, is working, um, so you can't control that. So you have to move from, from input to output, put, agree with the employees, you know, what are the expectations, um, what's the output in terms of quantity, quality, uh, innovation, etc. Et Those have to be the, the measures. And in this day and age of empowerment and, and, and delegation, that may sound obvious to many people, but in, in practice, um, many many managers still rely on the on the traditional model of input based uh, performance management. But that means we're going to have to be very much more specific about what I'm expecting from you in a day to day. Does that mean if I'm an, uh, working for somebody, my manager is in a different location than I am, that I should be more careful about summarizing what I have accomplished in a day, or not? And you you mean careful in what sense? Well, you know, if we're sitting in the same office, you can see that I've been at my desk all day and that I've been busy and I don't need to tell you very much about what I've accomplished. But if we're not right. sitting in the same office, do I need to find a way of saying, here's the status report for the day? Or is that not a good idea? Yeah, you'll, you'll have to, I would say it's a matter of dialogue, finding out, you know, how do we define output in your particular case? You know, what, is, uh, what are the expectations and, and how do we measure them? And of course, we know that for some jobs that are more quantitative in nature, it's, such as sales, it's much easier to quantify than uh, in many other jobs where, there, where it's more uh, diffuse. But I, I think it's the dialogue between the remote leader and the remote employee uh, on a regular basis to, um, to discuss uh, the outcome and, uh, and the performance. Okay. All right. And, and 
And speaking of trust, or um, if I may add something, speaking speaking of trusting, you know, employees to to give their best, um, the the research actually shows that remote employees tend to work too hard more than than actually too too little. Um, people who work remotely or from home, and I'm not sure many of our listeners would would uh, include themselves, um, they tend to maybe put even more hours and more effort in uh, to prove themselves because they are remote. And, and also maybe, you know, um, because they, do, they might take breaks or have unusual hours but to compensate by being online um, way too long in the evening or on the weekends. So part of the remote leader's role is to keep an eye um, on the work-life balance of, uh, of her or his employees. Okay, that's an interesting one. And I know people that work from home either regularly or periodically say that they're far more efficient at home mm. than they are in the office. So even if I'm putting in more hours, it means I should be really getting stuff done. All right, so now let's shift to the technology. Um, you yeah. talked earlier about, so synchronous, we're all together at the same time, and we've got web versions of meeting spaces, we've got audio conferences and video conferences, and currently telepresence. What about this asynchronous? When should we be using asynchronous? Well, asynchronous, uh, to start with, you should uh, do a lot of work asynchronously if you are multiple time zones apart. You know, if, if you're working with, with others who are at the other end of the world, you're talking about 9, 10, 11, or 12-hour time difference. So then you really have to have a good case, you know, for keeping your colleague uh, uh, at work at, at his or her computer at 11 at night or 3 in the morning. So that's, that's the first practical question to, to ask. Um, the other thing is, again, depends on the task. You, you could say that routine tasks generally, such as exchanging information, are well taken care of uh, asynchronously. And as soon as the tasks get more complex, um, then you should probably be looking at synchronous um, virtual working. And by complex, I mean, for instance, you know, solving a complex problem or brainstorming a new type of service or product or... Um, uh, developing a new strategy for something or, or training, for instance, um, and or building the team, you know, developing a team charter of how we're going to work together. These are more complex tasks. And then, um, as we all know, as our common sense is, it wouldn't work really well through email or document sharing. You need to be able to respond in real time to your teammates. Right. All right. Now, those of us who've done training programs um, and done classes literally over virtual space often have made taken advantage of things like discussion boards where you have students log in, they've done an assignment, and they make a comment about the assignment or about the document or about whatever on the discussion board. I find most corporations don't use discussion boards. What's your view? Do they help? Are they useful? Or are they not helpful? Yeah, I, it, it's what I see. It often sounds like a great idea, and everybody says yes. And then in practice, the, the actual use of these discussion boards or group spaces is, is very limited. Um, and I can't really put my finger on... Um, 
what what it is that makes them attractive or not attractive. Um, I think for people to use these these kind of spaces, um, there has to be a really good um, reason to go there. It has to be instrumental, so there has to be information there that you actually cannot do without. If it's only for for fun or background information, you know, or informal conversation, um, I it, it's hard to get it working. Okay, so it has to be a critical, there has to be constant sort of upfeed of information and it has to be critical to our success. Otherwise, we don't go to yet another place to look for stuff and I agree with that. I think the reason it works in virtual classrooms is because I've got to go to complete the assignment in order to get the grade. So it's mandatory. Um, Exactly, yeah. And do you find that teams, like we often talk about document sharing, so we'll create a workspace where you can deposit documents and everybody can see them. But how about where we're writing a document together and people can comment on it and then repost that? Do you find that those work, or is that better done in a video, an audio conference? Well, um, I think you need both. Um, you every, every remote team needs, needs a place to store you know common documents like uh, Dropbox or Google Docs or whatever an organization has. Um, it's something we cannot do without when we work remotely, and it's it's hard to imagine how we lived without these tools. Uh, maybe as close as ten years ago. That's one thing. On the other hand, um, and and I talked about you know complex versus simple task earlier. If it, if a task is more complex, if it's really about creating something together, um, working synchronously. In a, in a web platform environment such as WebEx or Adobe or GoToMeeting or Link, is, I think is, is a fabulous place and a highly effective tool to, to create together and, and actually super, even superior to working face-to-face or co-located together. In a face-to-face environment, and if somebody shows a spreadsheet or a PowerPoint, you know, one person controls the beamer and the computer and the other such as passive onlookers so they may comment orally. Whereas in a web meeting environment, everybody can, you know, work on the same document at the same time and, and make annotations. So it's 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 a more engaging and more interactive process in a in a web meeting for for synchronous, you know, creating together. Okay. All right. Now um, so I see people use WebEx where the, everyone is listening to the PowerPoint presentation as if they were all in the room. You're talking about using the capability in the virtual meeting software, whatever package you have, that allows people to comment on the PowerPoint or the document in real time as if they're writing on each of their individual screens. Am I correct about that? Yeah, that's, that's correct, yes. Yeah, and and uh, in my my belief is the virtual meetings they have to be interactive and engaging, and because people are so easily distracted, you know they're at their own workplace, their own computers, or their email is there in the background, the internet is there, there may be other visual attractions, you know, in the in the office or in the home office, or or in the airport lounge wherever they you know join the meeting from. So the the meeting has to be highly interactive to keep people in there, and as soon as you start just uh, holding a monologue, um, the the attention span is I would say maximum three minutes in a virtual meeting, 
so soon as somebody talks for more than three minutes, you will see people, you know, leaving the the meeting space, the virtual meeting space, and going to their email, or some, or staring at the ceiling, or whatever. You lose their attention. And, wow, and Frederick, that's that's incredible. Let me just reiterate that one. So, if I don't keep the meeting space engaging and interactive. Someone goes into monologue after three minutes. We've completely lost them. That fascinating. Let's yeah, um, three minutes. Three minutes even long. I can tell you. From, okay, that's um, incredible. All right, yeah. now I need to hear from you on how we do interaction in a virtual space. But let's take a break. When we come back from the break, we're going to talk about all of these techniques for leading the virtual team, like. How do you create the interaction and where can we run in trouble on this one? We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. If you want more information on the coaching and seminars we offer, go to our website at www.leadershipforuminc.com. If you are interested in finding out more, you can also purchase a copy of the forthcoming book or any of Dr. Wallace's current books by clicking on the links under the resources tab on our website at www.leadershipforuminc.com. You're also sure to find some handy links, videos, and more to help you create a winning strategy for your organization. Leadership Forum, Inc., helping organizations get it and keep it. Your entrepreneurial vision has taken hold. Your business is growing. It's everything you hoped for. Or is it? With growth comes bigger headaches, more hiring, more capital, more customers to satisfy, more employees to manage, more plates to juggle, and more demands on your time. Get off that merry-go-round now. Tune in to The Business Edge with Marsha Zeidel. You'll meet street-smart entrepreneurs and business leaders sharing their success stories as well as practical solutions to the unique challenges faced by growing companies. Heard every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Out of the Comfort Zone. To reach Dr. Wanda Wallace or her guest, call into the program at 1 866 472 5790. Again, that's 1 866 472 5790. You may also send an email to wanda.wallace at leadershipforuminc.com. Now, back to Out of the Comfort Zone. Welcome back. With me today is Frederick Fogelberg. Frederick is an executive coach and facilitator who the specialty in intercultural teams and an industry leader in virtual facilitation. He's the author of Live Connections, and we have been talking about how to manage virtual teams. So in this last bit, we were talking about the kind of technology that can be used beyond the audio conference and the video conference, particularly how to do asynchronous so that we would each do the work in our own time zone, not necessarily trying to do it all together or synchronously. 
Frederick made the point that when it's a simple task like sharing of information, that that is best done asynchronously. So I can imagine a team where we need an update. That update on the status of your project or where you are can be done in any number of asynchronous ways. But that when it becomes a complex task requiring interaction, it's much better done synchronously. We were also talking about a couple of the issues that still run in for managers, and those are things like, how do I keep the interaction going on a virtual team? And Frederick made the point that if it we have a monologue for more than three minutes, people check out. Okay, so Frederick, how do I keep, if I'm a leader of a virtual team, how do I keep people, get people interactive? Hmm. Um, but in, in one of the earlier segments we talked about checking in you know asking people for their expectations at the beginning and uh, of course the, the the task of the of the leader or the chair of the meeting is to to make people feel comfortable so that they are willing to come uh, forward and um, and uh, and share whatever they want to share and of course there are some huge cultural differences when it comes to that so that's that's one competency that is very important for the remote leader who works across geographical boundaries to be aware of those uh, cross-cultural differences. I so remember... Yeah, go uh, ahead. No, so you're saying that I, the leader should just be active to call on people to make sure that at multiple points throughout the meeting, individuals have spoken. Yes, and at the same time, also be aware that that may be... Um, that may be common and, and usual for people who are... Uh, from, let's say, the Western world, Europe and, and North America, and maybe also Latin America, whereas um, people on the meeting or the team from many Asian countries, I'm thinking East Asia in particular, um, would be less you know, inclined to, uh, to speak up or may not be comfortable when they're called on. So it's important to be aware of those um, differences and to, to manage that well. And, and, and to give space, some, yeah. To, yes, and this is where some of the technologies are very helpful, like on a web meeting platform like WebEx or GoToMeeting or Adobe, there's multiple ways for participants to, to interact. It's not just by voice like on a phone conference, but um, that's with the, all the annotation possibilities for people to write, um, people to show, to point at things with an arrow. There's the chat function, on these platforms, and there's the use of emoticons. Um, so for a chair or a manager in a remote meeting, versus to ask if everybody agrees, you know, if, if she only asks the question by voice, maybe one of the two more extroverted team members will respond. But if you ask the group to respond with an emoticon, for instance, um, everybody's going to respond. So this is some of the these are some of the beauties of the web meeting platforms uh, that actually you might get more active participation even from the silent members or the more introverted members than what you might get in a meeting room. That's fabulous. So that is to pause the action. You know, so we're in the middle of a discussion about something. To pause the action and just confirm: Are we all on board or not with this? And ask people to give an emoticon so you see where they are. That way, no one can just go silent in the background. Okay. Exactly. What about and, all the polling technologies? Are those useful? Yeah, that that fits in here. 
as we talked about this three-minute rule earlier, then no, no longer monologues than for three minutes. But as soon as you use a poll function, for instance, or the emoticons, you buy yourself another three minutes of speaking time because it, it, uh, it energizes people as soon as they get into action. And um, as soon as people have to do something, um, they engage and they, they become more focused uh, on, in, the, in the meeting again. And particularly, and I'm, I'm particularly if there's, I notice if there's a competitive element, and I'm thinking of training or sessions or workshops here, um, just doing a little game or a quiz, for instance, you know, a, a quiz about the topic at hand where people can get some points. As soon as you launch that, you get people's full attention and they jump into it and they, they engage. So it's really about engaging people, making them do things in a meeting much more than in a, in a co-located space, in a co-located meeting room. Okay. All right. Now I can imagine that people listening are going to say, geez, that sounds like it would slow down the meeting, and it probably will. But my bet is you have people much more engaged, therefore they will remember it better, it's going to have greater impact, and we're probably going to reach a decision faster as well. Exactly. Yeah, you can, you can uh, if you look at the, the outcome of a meeting, the productivity of a meeting, as the, the, the result of engagement and, and quality, uh, I mean, you can have a high-quality content and PowerPoint, but if nobody looks at it, if everybody's disengaged, um, the output of the meeting is terrible. So I would say less content and higher engagement, and it gives a much higher productivity and uh, effectiveness. Okay, so less content and higher engagement. And that or repeat again that you want people doing something about every three minutes. Every, okay, so, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so talk to me a few minutes about the kind of pitfalls that leaders fall into when they're running virtual teams. What goes wrong? Yeah, one, one is, I would say, the, the, the micromanagement. Um, I remember working with one, um, one French company, and we had the, uh, the French HR director who had just you know, moved to, to the Asia-Pacific and running the HR function. For the first and for the first time in her career, 25-year-old career, 25-year career, she said, "You know, um, I'm used to having people in the same corridor, so I can check if they're all in at 8:30. And now I have people in five time zones, from India to Korea to Australia, and I haven't got a clue where they are and if they're working. And it, it drives me mad," she said. So there, there's a picture of the classic, you know, micromanaging leader and it just doesn't it just doesn't work um, I would say another pitfall for the remote leader is to ignore the cultural differences and the and the language issues like the the, the cross-cultural differences are, are so important for instance I mentioned earlier you know the Asian style of communicating and the respect for the boss for instance versus the, those of us from the Western world. If you're not aware with that, you're going to fully, you know, uh, you're going to make a fool of yourself much quicker than in, in co-located space. And okay. speaking, of, speaking of quicker, um, it's something that I call the magnifying principle, and I borrowed that from a British uh, CEO who manages an IT, global IT f- uh, firm. He says that leadership skills in virtual 
space, they get, they get magnified. And uh, a good manager becomes an excellent manager, a manager remotely, and a ma- bad manager becomes a really bad managing manager when managing remotely. So managing in virtual space, it, it, it's like putting yourself, yourself under a magnifying glass, your skills and your competencies. Well, that should caution a lot of us about um, our management capability, especially given how much virtual work we're doing. Okay, so three pitfalls. Micromanaging, meaning a little bit of FaceTime. If I can't see what you're doing, can't trust what you're doing, uh-huh. or intervene with what you're doing. A cross-cultural difference, which I will underscore for you absolutely, because the differences in communication style and comfort with the language in um, working patterns and working hours are massive. And then I love this magnifying principle that if you're a bad manager, it becomes even worse over virtual space. Are there any other pitfalls? Yes. Um, you briefly mentioned language. Um, what I see in working with uh, global virtual teams is that, let's say, many of them have English as their working language. And I see that the, the native English speakers are, uh, are often at, actually at a disadvantage. You would think they would be at an advantage, but it's often the opposite. Why? Um, because they use their language in a, in, a, in a way that is too rich, you know, speaking too quickly, too many complicated words, uh, colloquialisms and humor, so that a lot of it is actually lost and makes the, the impact on the, on the other, on the second or third language English speakers, may be that they um, feel less confident. And another phenomenon, what we see in, in, in global leadership teams, is that the native speakers tend to take more airtime. And I've actually measured that a number of times with a stopwatch, and it's, it's almost like a law of nature. And it's, it's not at all an intention, um, it's not. It's not intentional, but it just happens because native speakers just just have that split second, uh, you know, um, head start vis-a-vis the others, and that's that's something to watch out for because you want the airtime to be taken by the the most relevant person with the most you know knowledge on the topic, and not by the person whose whose language happens to be the uh, the lingua franca of the group. So that's something uh, that a leader needs to be on the outlook for also. Okay, so then my job is to just monitor, Do am I having too much native speaker speaking? Is that the right person? And then, again, I would direct that, guide it, give people feedback, and kind of draw people into the conversation if they were needed. Exactly. Okay? Yeah, yeah. There's another pitfall, and uh, we referred to that earlier. It's about subgroups that if you want to create that cohesion that we call virtual closeness, um, what you need to watch out for is is subgroups. And we talked about meetings earlier, how important it is to make everybody feel included in the same way as individual members, regardless of whether they all sit in the same location except one or somebody is far away. So that managing that group dynamic is particularly important. Can imagine Why? Yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say that one of the things that I watch happen is two or three people will be in the same office and they will run into each other in the corridors and they will have a chat about something that's going on within the group. 
And then you get that subgroup formed because of the face-to-face ease of conversation. And you can end up with decisions being made when everyone didn't weigh in on it. Do you find the same? Yes. And there's also, I would say, a virtual hallway or water cooler. And that's usually, for many teams, that's the chat function. Um, many, you know, corporate computer environments, they have, a, they have a chat function, such as in Microsoft Link, for instance. Excuse me. <clears throat> and um, many of us use, you know, chat functions on our uh, smartphones, like uh, text messaging or WhatsApp, uh, integrated mess- uh, IM type of tools. And these, these message tools, they, they function like, I would say, an open-door um, policy does in the office. And, and we, what I see high-performing virtual teams doing is to have a chat function open um, where they spontaneously drop in with each other and, and have that, that water cooler or coffee machine type of conversation. Okay, now I have one problem with that. I agree that that is useful and very valuable for keeping the team connected. At the same time, all the stuff that we have becomes a distraction. I've got a distraction from the email pinging, from the phone ringing, from now from chat popping up, from you know my smart watch or something telling me some piece of information. And every time we get interrupted, we're going to lose focus and concentration. So how do you advise teams to use the chat without making each other unproductive? Yeah, well, it's, it's like that open door, you know, like in many office places and open door signals, you know, come in whenever you want to. And a closed door means that, you know, leave me in peace for now. I'm in a meeting or I'm concentrating on something. I think with, with the communication technology, we can signal, give the same signals. Like in Microsoft Link that many of, of our listeners probably use, you can signal, you know, my, my virtual door is open or my virtual door is, is closed for the moment. You know, leave me in peace for now. Okay. Um, that's one way to handle that and uh, the information overload that you're referring to I mean that occurs to all of us every day regardless of whether we're sitting you know with our colleagues in the same building or whether we're remote I don't think there's a huge difference there okay all right, fair enough. Let's talk for a minute about, you know, the, a lot of the people that I'm dealing with are really across 12 and 13 hour time zones. Mm-hmm. So what's your advice when you've got a team that is that distributed across time? How do you handle that? Well, you say 12 or 13. 13 is, is, is also 11, so it's not as bad as it sounds, 13. Yeah. Uh, just in the other direction. Um, but, of course, it's, it's still opposite day and night. Well, um, many teams have asked me that question. Um, I'm, I'm afraid, you know, the magic solution doesn't exist. I mean, we do the, the earth turns around its axis, and we have to live with that. Um, there's some practical tools on the net. You know, if you Google, you know, meeting planner or time zone meeting planner, you'll find all kinds of free tools where you can type in the different countries or cities where your team members are from, and then it gives you a table with green, which is good, and yellow, which is medium, and red, which is really middle of the night. And then you can select, 
you know, what is the, the least inconvenience for um, the majority of the group. So that, that's a practical uh, tool. The other comment is that the rule of thumb for a remote team is to share the burden of the inconvenient hours. What, what we often see is that head office um, dictates, you know, the choice of day. Often, you know, if, if a company or organization is headquartered, let's say, in, in Europe, then it's going to be, you know, somewhere between 9 and 6 for them, which means that the Australians will suffer. And uh, the Australians usually get the shortest straw anyway in many global teams. Why not, you know, rotate so that everybody in the team occasionally, you know, gets the shortest straw and has to stay up till midnight or get up at 5 in the morning for a meeting? That, that would be fair, I'd say. Okay. And, and again... There's no, we, we can't, you know, change the, the rhythm of the sun, so we have to live with it. Okay. I like this notion of um, being sure that you have some sort of time zone planner so that you know actually what time it is for everybody when you're scheduling meetings. I hear a lot of complaints about that. And I also like this notion that everybody has to be inconvenient sometimes. That would certainly... I imagine limit the number of meetings that we would actually do and force us to do some more asynchronous work. Okay, so how um, we've talked about how you keep people up to speed on the hallway conversations, and you've talked about using the chat function. Is there any advice for keeping yourself, your motivation up when you're the one person that's out of the office? Yes, well, um, the of course, how people are motivated varies very much from from one person um, to another. And uh, I can I can see that as a psychologist, of course, looking at uh, people have different ca- characters, different personalities. However, um, or, or as an example, you know, some people. If we talk about working from home, some people just don't enjoy that. Some people. You know, they need people around them, the extroverted energy, and they need the structure, you know, of going into the office at a certain time and, and going and eating lunch at a certain time in the, in the cafeteria and going home. So some people just like it less than, than others. Um, on the other hand, I would say the, the benefits are, are multiple. You know, working remotely from your boss probably gives you a larger share of autonomy than, than if you work in a, you know, in a traditional office environment. Then there is, of course, the, the flexible hours, you know, being able, if you're a morning person, you know, starting real early in the morning, and if you're more of an evening person, you know, starting slower and continuing later. And then I would say the, the benefit of, of work-life balance, you know, being able yeah. to to do your have more influence on your scheduling, so to Great. to take your private life into account as well. Great, um, Frederick. I'm going to have to stop yeah. you there, unfortunately, because we're out of time. Obviously, we could keep going on this one. With me today is Frederick Fogelberg, who's an expert in leading virtual facilitation of virtual teams and intercultural teams. The book is Live Connections. If you're interested. I think the thing that strikes me the most coming out of this conversation is the recognition that good managers get better over virtual work, virtual teams, and bad managers appear worse, plus the fact that if people are not engaged about every three minutes actively doing something, then they check out. If we follow those two rules, boy, would that change how we do virtual meetings. Frederick, thank you for joining us today. 
It's been my pleasure, Wanda. And interestingly, next week, Roy Reed will be my guest, and we are going to talk about trust. In fact, outrageous trust. So it's a perfect follow-on from today. Join us then. Thank you again for joining us for Out of the Comfort Zone. Tune in again for another edition with Dr. Wanda Wallace next Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Take charge this week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.